This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Work Talk. I am Chris Boo. This is the fourth and final episode of our mini-series, Where the Tech Jobs Are. In each episode, I invite two tech leaders to demystify what their companies do and say what innovations they have their eyes trained on. They also tell what it's like to work in their firms. Today, I'm really excited to introduce two of the most creative tech companies in the world. Here's the first. We have hobbyists all the way up through professional photographers, videographers. You know, in Singapore, we have gaming studios using our creative tools. We have corporates building all our corporate assets with our creative tools. And then we have banks, airlines, airports, all running their websites, talking to their customers, communicating, using our marketing tools as well. That was Mr. Simon Dale, the Managing Director for Adobe, Southeast Asia and Korea. Adobe is a 40-year-old company. Since I was a student, I have used software from Adobe to do a gamut of tasks, from creating presentations to what we call PDFing my resume for job applications. I mean, who hasn't? But the San Jose-based company does more than that. Most people think of us as the creative company, lots of technology of Photoshop, Premiere Pro, and all that kind of stuff. And yes, everybody knows Acrobat, of course. Most people use that once a day somewhere. But we also have quite a large business in helping companies to do digital experience. And in the past 12 years, we ourselves have transformed into a cloud company where we've gone direct to our customers, providing cloud cloud services for creative cloud and so on. And now we have a business which is called the Experience Cloud, and we help large brands across Asia, across the, the world, run their websites, engage with their customers, make sure the communications are appropriate and personalized, and, and even do e-commerce. We run e- a lot of large e-commerce sites as well. Simon is joined by Mr. Martin Woodward, the Vice President of Developer Relations at GitHub. GitHub was founded in San Francisco in 2008 and owned by Microsoft since 2018. So we are a company that's built by developers for developers. So it's always interesting when I'm trying to explain my job to people, you know, to people who are not in tech. And I kind of say, I, I build the tools that help people build software that help people, you know, that help other developers. So um, GitHub's really where the world sort of comes together to build software. I think 90% of the Fortune 100 use GitHub now. So in the world of marketing, Adobe is the creator of creative tools for creative and e-commerce people. And in a world of software developers, GitHub is God. I bet you understood that perfectly. Now, the past six months have been seismic for the tech world. Why? Generative AI, of course. To me, it feels like we're at another epoch. You know, I'm old enough to remember when the internet came in probably when social media came in and how that kind of changed how we built things. You know, the internet allowed us to be a lot more collaborative and allowed, really changed how we built software. AI feels like another one of those epochs. And this moment that we're at now in time um, feels like a, a massive change in how we build things. And it's not just kind of um, improving the speed that we can build. It's also increasing who can actually be a developer. It's opening doors to new ideas. So, in the world of text, we have ChatGPT. In the universe of software developers, our first officer is GitHub Copilot. 
Yeah, so GitHub Copilot is um, an AI assistant that kind of sits with you as a pair programmer as you're coding, as you're building software to um, make suggestions to you to um, help identify potential problems, potential security issues, you know, help you write your tests for your code as well as you're writing it. It's kind of boosted productivity by about 55% we're finding for people that are using it. 55%? In my journalism world, that would mean I could be producing three instead of two columns each month. For Adobe, Generative AI is also raising the bar for both visual storytellers and copywriters. The generative AI space for us is, is really exciting as well. And, and we've got Adobe Firefly, which is our image generator. Uh, and I've played around with it as well. I, I, my first image was adding a tower to Marina Bay Sands. And when you show it to people, they, they kind of go, yeah, that's a nice picture. They don't realize there's a fourth tower there because it looks so good. But we're also using the Gen AI on the marketing side as well to create our own co-pilot for marketers because marketers have to think of what's the description of, that I should put on the website, what's, what's the kind of best tagline for this image, and also what will be catching for me to get people to, to come to my website, all those kinds of things. But all of this, I think to Martin's point, it's, it's increasing productivity. It's also reducing the barriers to this technology for all companies to transform their businesses. And I think this is the same epoch, as Martin used the word, uh, to change a lot of businesses moving forward as well. If the world is entering an AI epoch, I want to know where Singapore fits in. Adobe made record revenues of $17.6 billion US dollars in 2022. It is guiding revenues of over 19.2 billion US dollars this fiscal year. That will be another record. I asked Simon what that means for Adobe Singapore operations. We've been in Singapore for 20 years running our business, so, so half of the company's life, because we, we see the Southeast Asia economy really powering ahead, and, and it's expected to hit 1 trillion by 2030. We've been hiring quite a lot. We've expanded our workforce quite a bit in the past year, well, past three years since I've been in Singapore. This is our headquarters for Southeast Asia, where we cover mostly six major countries across Southeast Asia. And we also have some regional functions as well that cover the whole of Asia Pacific and Japan based here. So it's a variety of roles. Every other roles that you have in a business in terms of sales, customer success, administration, HR, all of the finance, all this kind of stuff, we're all in Singapore. I would love to hear the same about GitHub growing its Singapore office. Except that even with over a million users here, GitHub does not have a physical office in Singapore. Or for that matter, anywhere else in the world. GitHub's actually interesting that it's a fully remote company. So we don't have a campus anywhere in the world. Um, we do have people based in Singapore and they actually have access to over a dozen places around the city that they can drop in and work if they want to, um, if they don't want to work at home and things. But the culture at GitHub is a, a remote first culture uh, where people can work anywhere they want to in the world and um, still collaborate and contribute to, to the software that we build. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Let's get back to our conversation with Mr. Simon Dale, Managing Director for Adobe, 
Southeast Asia and Korea. I'm Mr. Martin Woodward, the Vice President of Developer Relations at GitHub. I want to talk about culture. And to help me begin, I'm pleased to introduce our special young guest, Mr. Donovan Dua. Donovan studies technology at the Institute of Technical Education. He has a good question for Martin. So in the context of fast-paced and ever-evolving nature of the tech industry, how does GitHub stay agile and adaptable to meet the changing needs and demands for developers worldwide? That's a great question, Donovan. GitHub have a culture that's very much kind of ship to learn. Um, so one of the things that we do when we're building our own tooling to help our own developers is optimize for how quickly we can deploy our software and how quickly we can learn. So it's no good just to be able to ship software quickly if you can't also learn quickly and then iterate. And it's that speed of iteration that is important to how we can then innovate and stay agile. I'm curious about how GitHub builds its culture of excellence with our campus, given how bosses have been calling workers back to office on fears of eroding collaboration, creativity, and culture. I always think culture is what happens when no one's looking, you know? Culture isn't something that happens to exist in a single place in a venue. It's, it's what people do. GitHub's built by developers for developers. People take their work seriously and have incredibly high standards, you know, is, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of this environment where it's, it's fun, it's enjoyable to be in. You get to do kind of the best work of your life. There's like a high degree of autonomy. It's a culture where we kind of optimize for like this autonomy mastery purpose. And that tends to motivate sort of a lot of the people that we hire. What about Adobe? Well, the company is all about experiences. That, that is our tagline, right? It's creating digital experiences and really impactful ones. And, and when you join the company, you're given a great experience. Here in, in Singapore, one of the things we did for just to sort of make our culture unique during the COVID crisis in particular, when we were all locked down, it's like, how do we keep this community together? So we created our kampong and we've kept that theme going to keep that culture together locally. And it's a really nice environment of, of individual groups focused on what our local people care about and, and what, what we want to do to keep that community going. We want everybody to feel part of the community so that we get that group-wide culture, and that then helps everybody to feel part of uh, the same kind of purpose. I couldn't help asking Martin this question that had been burning my brain. What is it like if a group of GitHub holders take over a bar? We do have a bar actually in the San Francisco office. So, you know, it does, those things exist. But I think if you went to that, you'd, you know, you'd see lots of non-alcoholic options. Um, cause there's lots of people like myself, you know, that don't drink. Like GitHub's one of these pla a place where, um, we want to make sure people don't feel pressured to be somebody that they're not. You know, they get to bring their whole selves. We call them hubbers, by the way, because a lot of times we're working remote. And so you tend to see lots of excitement when people get together. It's a bit like being at a, at a wedding, apart from less stress. There is plenty of nerd talk, um, but there's also lots of nerd talk online as well. We have special groups for, say, 
I'm in a 3D printing group where I talk about 3D printing inside of, you know, like our work chat. Um, but I also, I look after, um, I'm the executive sponsor for a group called the NeuroCats, which is our sort of community for neurodiverse people in GitHub as well. Again, providing a safe place for people who identify as neurodiverse to get together and talk and share and, and, and share best practices. Is it the contest of nerds? It's not about like a uh, competition of nerdery. I think people are surprised by how creative software development is. It's about solving problems and collaborating with each other. No piece of software you use today is written by one person. It's written by a team of people. And so what we look for when we're hiring software developers, but, you know, amongst people that we bring in as well, is this curiosity, the uh, desire to learn and to keep learning. At GitHub, we actually don't require people to have a degree in software engineering to come work for us. We require that people know how to code. We require people learn and know how to work well in a team. Simon? Do Singapore workers tick the boxes? I've been working with for about ooh, six or seven years now in, in helping young talent to, to progress into the workforce. So uh, what I've seen is, is people are hungry to learn and to develop and progress. Uh, another thing I've been doing for, for over 10 years is, is involved in the startup scene. And, and I've seen a big shift in the risk attitude of the, the current generation of saying, yeah, I don't need to go and work for an MNC. I'll, I'll go and take a risk, run for a startup and, and move more quickly. I'll accelerate my career path because I've taken that risk. So you, it's a very, very different change in the past probably six or seven years in uh, the workforce, a young talent coming out and, and what they're aiming to achieve when they do come into the workforce. It's been great to see. In recent years, Donovan School, ITE, has become a prominent training ground for tech talent. It has an interesting grading system. In my school, ITE, what we do is we have a practical test for each term and it weighs around 40% of our grades. But we also have a theoretical examination which weighs around 50% of our academic grade. And the final 10% is basically just comes from our behavioral conduct in school. So it's basically our behavior, our attendance, uh, how we conduct ourselves in school. We asked Donovan what he sees himself doing after finishing school. I would wish to land myself in the med tech side because I'm really passionate about helping patients within hospitals uh, because I personally have my own backstories. But you said you had a backstory. Um, Donovan, did you use the hospitals a lot when you were young? Quite a number of years ago, uh, I was hospitalized for quite a long time. Uh. Yeah, so within that period, I got depressed because within that stay, it was really harsh on my mental health. And yeah, I fell into a depression, but it was really the doctors, the nurses that brought me back to who I am and really motivated me to step up my game. That's how I convinced myself that I really need to join in the health tech sector. That's great resilience, Donovan. I'm just impressed by Donovan's journey. 
my biggest you know advice for you is to to just follow those passions because um none of these decisions you're making uh, are non-reversible decisions donovan has shared an experience that is clearly intensely personal to him i asked him what he hopes it would do for young men and women like him who are listening to this i could say the takeaway is as what martin said as well earlier on so basically to never give up even though you know life gives you an obstacle you do not think about the obstacle but think about how you defeat the obstacle in order to progress forward and technology can also be help to defeat all these obstacles like uh, you can watch motivational videos through youtube and that requires technology as well You know, so simple things like even applications or like uh, messages from your friends. It may not be a huge impact, but it's really these little bits and bytes of support from your peers, your family, your friends, your mentors that really help throughout your journey. We have come to the end of the podcast. Thank you to our guests, Simon, Martin. And Donovan. If you'd like to read more about the topic, we have links in the show notes. It's been a pleasure having your company on this episode 19 of Work Talk, a Straits Times podcast to help you think deeper, work smarter, and get ahead in your work life. I'm Chris Boo, and on behalf of our producer Tongkai and the production team, thank you. Have a good work week. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.